let's say our confession. And before we say this, it's so important that we recognize what we're doing. Because Jesus said, those who have ears to hear, ears to hear, let them hear. Everyone can hear the word. But truly hearing, that's a different thing. And that's divine. It comes from God. And so it's good to say these words to God and believe God that your ears have been ordained to hear so that God can do his work. Because until you understand, the seed is gone. And that seed is the seed, incorruptible seed of the word of God that will always produce. Amen? So let's say our confession. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. Tonight I want to continue with uh, the message, Christ and the Dignity of Man. Christ and the Dignity of Man. And so, I want, if you have your Bible, I would like you to turn to um, John chapter 17, because we're going to be dealing in John chapter 17 a good bit tonight, to see what Jesus brought to us. Just to begin, just to let you know this, that when God created man originally, God had in his mind that we should look just like him. That's God's original intent. He wanted us to be just like him. We were created in his likeness and in his image. That's what the scripture tells us. So we were created to be just like God. But then something happened that changed mankind forever. The sin in the garden changed the nature of man. And we, God still has that nature, thing in mind to make us look just exactly like his son. So Jesus brought us dignity. Now, I said this on Sunday. Adam, when he was created before he sinned, Sin was the way God intended for man to be. That was God's original intent. And since from the time Adam sinned until Jesus appeared, thousands of years later, there was no man on the earth that was a real man. They looked like what God intended, but they were not really what God originally intended. Man had been compromised. So until Jesus came, there was no true man in the way God intended man to be from the very beginning. But since Jesus came, Jesus came to restore us back to what God originally intended for us to be. And until we believe it, we will live in our old life. But God's wanting us to change our thinking and come to what he has given to us now. I believe if you read in um, John chapter 17, you will begin to see some of the things that Jesus brought from heaven for us. And God's mind, when he sent his son, what God was really doing and what he wanted us to know, what he wanted us to receive from Jesus' coming to the earth. Now, if you turn to John chapter 17, and we're going to read... Jesus said, it says from from verse 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifting up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. So the hour, if you read through the book of John so many times, things will happen and they want to stone Jesus, they want to kill Jesus. But the Bible said nothing happened. Because his hour had not come. But at this time, Jesus knew the time had come. 
And the Bible told us here, he lifted up his eyes to his father and he told his father, the hour has come. And he wanted God to glorify the son that the son may glorify him as well. So what was Jesus talking about? Glorifying the father will find is in obedience. So God, Jesus was asking the father's sustainers as he goes through, the, through what God had told him to do for mankind. But then as you read through the chapter, you will find five things that Jesus said the father gave him. Five things that the Father gave him as in his prayer. And this is called uh, Jesus' high priestly prayer to the Father. And I believe as you look into the prayer, because Jesus is praying from his soul to his Father, and he's communicating loudly between himself and his Father, you can look deeply into what he's saying and fully get what the Godhead is doing for us. Amen? So important. In verse 2, that's the first thing Father Jesus said, you gave me before he came into the world. So the Father gave him this before Jesus came into the world. God sent his son into the world, but before the son came, God gave him tools with which to accomplish what God has sent him for. And so God gave him this. And the first one you'll find in verse 2. He says, as you have given him... Authority over how many flesh? All flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. So Jesus came with the authority and the power to give eternal life to everyone that God has given him. So if you come to Christ, hey, listen, God gave you to Jesus. And then Jesus gave you eternal life. Eternal life is not just endless life. Everyone that is born into this world is going to live endlessly. So when we're talking about eternal life, we're talking about the life of God. We're talking about where you possibly will spend eternity. That's important. First, where the condition of your eternal life. That's important. Because you are going to live forever. But how is the condition of your eternity going to look like? That's number one. And then the most important is what's the relationship of your eternal life? What kind of relationship you're going to be having when you're living through eternal life? So, but Jesus gives eternal life for the believer that's eternal life, meaning you stay with God. God gave him that authority to give to all flesh. So any flesh, not after you die, if you are in human form and you can go to Jesus, you, he will give you eternal life. That's the first thing. The second thing God did, gave him was work. Work to do. And you find that in verse 4. Jesus said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work. I have finished the work which you have given to me, given me to do. So Jesus, notice the way Jesus speaks. And that's again teaching us how we speak. Jesus had not been to the cross, right? But he talks as if he's already been to the cross. Because in the mind of God, once you make your mind up to receive God's word, and you've received the commandment, and you decided, I'm going to do it, the power comes into you, and you have to say it from your mouth. Jesus was praying to his father, I have finished the work, even before he went to the cross. That's what empowers you. As you speak the word of God. So that's what God gave to him to finish the work which you have given to me. So that's what God gave to him before he left heaven to come to the earth. 
And Jesus said in John also, this commandment when he said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it back again. This is the commandment that I have received from my Father. So the commandment goes with the power. And so Jesus spoke those words. And number three thing that God gave him was believers. You and I. God gave him that before he came. In the same chapter, verse 6, it's Jesus speaks, he says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me. In other words, manifesting God's name, they saw Jesus. He was the express image of the invisible God. And so they saw God in manifestation before those individuals that God has given him. And if you read further down in the scripture, Jesus said, there are those that are coming, they will believe through their words. And those were given to Jesus so that they can be, there's one shepherd and one flock. He said, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me. Out of the world. Out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. That is important. We're coming to that. They have kept your word. So the communication between the father and the son, the people that the father gave to the son, the main transaction is what? They kept the word. This is the difference between Christians and Christians. The word. God. Jesus said they have kept your word. So that's important. And in verse 9 it says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world. We like to pray for the world. The Bible tells us to pray for leaders and pray for peace. That's important. But in this instance, before Jesus went to the cross, his prayer was very clear. I'm not praying for the world. That's kind of scary, isn't it? I'm not praying for the world. So what's important to God the most, you and I. Your life is very important to him. And what Jesus came to do, he was very focused. I'm, pray, I'm not praying, this is his prayer to his father. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those that God has given to me. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have, again, God gave us to him. So Jesus, those were the things that, the five, one of the five things that I said, in this prayer you can deduce, from his prayer that God gave to him before he came here to this world. That's important because Jesus was what? Slain from the foundation of the world. And you were given to him from the foundation of the world. You are not ordinary. You are not just a human. Not if you are related to Christ. There is something about you that sets you apart from the rest of the people in the world. So Jesus is not praying for the world. He's praying specifically for you. Guess what? His prayers get answered. His prayer for you will be answered. I don't know everything that he prayed for us, but when you're going through difficult times, please remember, Jesus prayed for you. Before he went to the cross, he prayed for you. That means he knew everything that you were going to go through in life before he went to the cross and he prayed for you. Now there is another instance where we already know the results about Peter. And Jesus told Peter, Satan is seeking for you to sift you like wheat. Then he told Peter, I prayed for you. But we don't know when Jesus did that. And his prayer for Peter was answered. So he's not praying for the world. 
He's praying for you and I. That gives us confidence in life. That means you are truly beloved of God. God cares about you. And if God cares about you, He cares about the things that you care about. Don't forget about that. Every time you hurt, like I said here before, your angel look into the face of the Father. Every time you cry, the Bible says God puts your tears in a bottle. He sees what's going on. And the answer is on his way. Number four. One of the things God gave to him is his words. Words. In verse 8, Jesus says, John 17 verse 8, For I have given them the words. You have given me. Has God given you any word? That's the question. What kind of words have you received from God? Now let's go back to the scripture. For I have given them the words which you have given me. And they have received them. I gave you the words and they received them. And Jesus, if you go into verse... Uh, the scripture of verse 7, Jesus actually made it clear that they now know that all that you've given me, they're from you. you, got, you God, you gave them to me. But here in verse 8, it says, For I have given, because they know who I am now, and they believe that came from you, come forth from you into the world. They now believe that. They know that. They surely know that. Because I have given them the words which you gave me. The words that were God gave to Jesus. And they have received them. Received what? The words. You can't receive a word that you haven't heard. You can't receive a word that you don't know anything about. That you don't understand. That's the important thing about this. If you read in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus explaining the parable of the sower. He said, the, the wayside heart is the one who hears the word and does not understand it. When you hear the word and you don't understand, he says, then the devil comes and he steals the word that is sown in the heart and it doesn't bear fruit. So Jesus is about giving people the word from the Father. That's the most important thing. Not the emotions. Not how you feel. It's what word do you have? What word do you know? When you're going through difficulty, whatever problem it is, what word have you received from Christ concerning what you're going through? Because that's what he came to give to us. That's what God gave to him to give to us. For I have given them. Basically, they now understand that I came from you and I'm from you because I have given them the word which you gave me and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. I mean, this is really important. Will Jesus speak that about me? You look into your life. I mean, this was bold telling his father, I know these guys have heard the word. I know they have received the word. I know they believe the word. And that's important. I want God to be able to say that of me. It's very important. They know, notice what Jesus said. And I've known, surely, these guys know. They had no doubt in their minds as to who Jesus was. And no, for us, we're thinking, uh, if I see Jesus, if I could see Jesus in person, it will be easy for me to believe. <laughs> uh, hello? <laughs> That's what we think. If I can see him in person, but think about it. Jesus was a man, just like the rest of us. They saw him go to sleep. They saw him wake up. They saw him tired. They saw him looking for something to drink. 
And you can really believe that that's God? We think it was easy for them. But you know what made it possible for them to believe Him? The words. Faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing by the Word of God. It's, it's the Word of faith. It produces faith. So Jesus said, I have given them the Word. And they know surely that I came forth from you. And I believe that you sent me. So if they believe the messenger, then they believe the message as well, right? You can't believe the message if you don't have any faith in the messenger. So they believed the message, and they believed the messenger also. And they knew the messenger came from God. Verse 14 of the same chapter, as your Bible says, I have given them, again Jesus says the same thing, I have given them your word. I have given them your word. When you pray, please talk to God, especially when you're going through something that's really difficult, especially when it doesn't make sense. Has anyone ever been there? You're going through something and you don't, you're wondering what's going on. What did I do wrong? Or what didn't I do? What did I omit? You're wondering, have you ever prayed, God, can you give me a word? God, share something to, with me from, your, from the scriptures. You know, I believe that God will do that if you start, you know, you pick your Bible up and you start studying or God is going to speak to you somehow. He'll let you know. He'll give you the word. He says, I have given them your word. And the word has hated them because they are not of this world, of the world just as I am not of this world. When you receive God's word, your life is transformed. This is so serious if you listen to what Jesus is saying. And if you really believe what he's saying. He's saying you are not of this world. Isn't that simple? <laughs> You're not of this world. You are from another world. Your life is different. You are born again. Born from above. You are not ordinary. You are of God. Little children Jesus said. So we're different. We're different. Number five. What God gave to him before he came Jesus called it glory. And you can read that in verse 22 of John chapter 17. He says, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. So God gave him glory, and Jesus passed on the glory. And he gave that to you, right? That they may be one, just as we are one. He gave his glory to us. Those are the five things. That the Father gave to him. Now, what did Jesus give to us? Two things. His word. That the Father gave to him. He passed it on to us. We don't have the authority and power to give people eternal life. We are not the Savior. Amen? But he is the Savior. And he lives inside of you. And when you speak his words, you, through his words, can also offer people the opportunity to receive eternal life. He gave us his word. That's what we have to work with. But then another thing he gave to us is his glory. He gave us his glory. Did you realize everywhere you go, you carry the glory of Jesus on you? That separates you from the rest of the world. No wonder the world doesn't like us. Because you carry His glory everywhere you go. That should give us confidence in God. It's not what you feel. It's what He's given to you. Have you received it? That's the thing. 
If you have received His glory, you don't have to feel it. He's there all the time. You receive it one time, He's there all the time. His glory is anew all the time. When Jesus made people well, that glorified the Father. And the Father is glorified in the Son. And so when we do things in His name that glorifies the Father, the Son's glory is seen upon our lives. So God, through His Son, has come to give us dignity in life. Because we are no longer ordinary, we're just like His Son, Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that. That the power that God gave to Jesus is in us. So we must be careful what we speak and how we conduct ourselves because we are carrying the glory of the Father. And we must live that that way. Because we have the glory, Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 tells us this, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that's what will stand. The Lord's counsel, that means the Lord's purpose. And I've said this scripture here before, Proverbs 19, verse 21. The Lord's counsel, that means God's original plan for your life. That's what's going to stand. What was God's original plan for your life? What is God doing to restore the glory that was on mankind when man was originally created? Because when we were created by God, God said, let us make man, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And for them to have dominion. But since then, we've lost that. But because Jesus came, we can go back to where we were. And it's all through the Word of God. Because of what Jesus has done for us. There is a scripture I want to share with you. That's in uh, Zechariah chapter 3. Beginning from verse 1. This is what is read here. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him, to resist him. Joshua, the one that is speaking here, that's Zachariah. Zachariah actually knew the guy named Joshua, the high priest. I'm sure because they were rebuilding the worship of God, rebuilding the place. Just like the first Joshua, Joshua, the one that divided the land and got everything in place, this is another Joshua. And and Joshua was the high priest getting back the worship of God, just like the other Joshua. And then finally, Joshua, the last Joshua, that's Jesus, restoring all things. And restoring us back to true worship with God. And restoring us back to where God originally intended for us to be. This was Joshua. But this Joshua as a man was, I believe, known. I mean, by this uh, Zechariah the prophet. He knew him well. But he, there's one thing knowing somebody in the flesh. But it's another thing to know how God sees the person when the person stands before God. This was different. It was the same Joshua, the high priest, but now he's standing before God and there was Satan standing on his right hand to oppose him. Your right hand is your hand of strength, right? And so Satan is standing by you trying to oppose you And this is what the Lord said. The Lord didn't speak to Joshua. The Lord spoke to the enemy. Can I hear an amen? God spoke to the enemy. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. 
Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? That's us. You are a brand that was plucked from the fire. And that's God restoring your dignity. But even after God has plucked you up, the enemy is still standing close to oppose you. Because he is the accuser of the brethren. God says you can't do that. Because this is a, a brand that is plucked out of the fire. So the Lord rebuked the enemy. Now notice what was going on here. Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. You stand before God in a filthy garment. But God has already spoken and he said, The Lord answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, Take away the filthy garment from him. That's what God wants to do when you are plucked out from the fire. God doesn't want any filthy garment on you. God has given us the garment of what? The garment of praise. That filthy garment is not for the believer. God has restored us back to where he originally wanted us. She says, the filthy garment doesn't belong to your life. No matter how you feel, that's not who you really are. And if Satan is standing to oppose you, he cannot do a thing because God rebuked him and is taking away the filthy garment from you. So you don't have any filthy garment. God yelled at those standing around. He's not supposed to have that on him. Take it off. Take it off. It doesn't belong to the high priest of God. And we have been called kings and priests before God. And we can stand with, before God unopposed by Satan. Can I hear an amen? You cannot be opposed. If you stand with the word that God gave to us. Now in the Old Testament, God is the one that does the resistance against Satan. But in the New Testament, it says what? You resist the devil because God has given us the word in the New Testament. Now is our turn. When we resist him, he will do what? He will flee from us. What we like to do in the New Testament is stand there and be waiting for God to rebuke the devil. Well, God gave us his word, didn't he? The words that you have given to me, I have given to them. Can you believe Jesus is dealing with Satan standing and Jesus is calling, Father, please, can you please rebuke the devil for me? That's not what he came. He received the authority and in the devils also knew he had the authority. And guess what? He passed that authority to us through his word. Amen? We have the same authority. And so you don't have to have any filthy garment over your life. He gave us that garment of praise. You don't have to feel it. It's there. Amen? It's always there. I like the fact that we can't see it. So you can't take it off. Okay? <laughs> when you're feeling bad, you can't take it off. It's always there. It's a spiritual garment, right? He says, take that filthy garment from him. And he said, see, I have removed your iniquity. That's why the filthy garment came. How many know Jesus has already removed our iniquities? As far as the east is from the west. He's taken away. We don't have it. God says, you, Joshua, see, I have done it. I have accomplished it. You didn't do it. I did. That's what Jesus did for us. As far as the east, in fact, the Bible tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 9, he came to put away sin, totally removed from us. So we now have freedom to resist the devil, and he can stand to do anything to us. But if you let him, he'll stand by you to bring you down. Notice he wasn't doing anything, he just was standing at his right hand to resist them. And you can stop that by speaking because Jesus said the glory that the Father gave to him, he has given to us, right? So if you are wearing Jesus' glory, get, when the devil sees you, guess who he sees? He sees Jesus. We don't know that, but that's the truth. He sees Jesus. 
we said, Brother Goodluck, you said, you mean Jesus rebuked the devil and he didn't leave? That's not going to happen. That was Jesus. Well, Jesus is wearing you, right? You got his words, right? And if you read in chapter 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth, right? Your word is true. Then I will set them apart. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, even so, I send them. So you sent in the same way as the Father sent him. How did the Father send him? He gave him some stuff, right? And if Jesus is going to send you as the Father sent him, uh, as the Father sent him, then I need this stuff that the Father gave you, right? Nothing short. And the glory that the Father gave him, he passed it on to us. And he sent us out. Just as the Father sent him. We have so much, we don't fully quite understand it. I'm, I'm still trying. I need to believe God more. Because Jesus wasn't afraid of anything. Right? There was no problem too big for him. Sometimes just a word is enough. Right? He opens the eyes of a man that was born blind. Born blind. Didn't face him one bit. Didn't have to think about it. Notice he never prayed to his father. Right? You know, with Pastor Goodluck, we're praying and yelling and all of that. He never prayed to his father. He just made mud, put in the guy's eyes, demonstrating. You know, I said in the prison when I, when I was there, excuse me, <laughs> I was in prison ministry, right? I said over there, not when I was in prison, okay, I was in locked up, okay. <laughs> but in the prison ministry, talking to them, a man was born blind. You don't see somebody and you know instantly that the person was born blind, if you, unless you know his history. But they knew the guy was born blind by looking at him. How can that be? You, we all know Stevie Wonder, right? I need to find out, when did he get blind, right? You can't see Stevie Wonder and know he was born blind, right? You want to find out the history. These disciples didn't know. They saw him and they said, wow, uh, what happened here? That he was born blind. My personal feeling is he had no opening of eye. There's nothing there. When, if you don't have nothing there, I can tell he was born that way. That's a genetic thing. And that spoke to the disciples. And he says, who sinned? Him or the Spirit? Meaning they've seen a lot of sick people. But this one was unusual. Amen? And they said, somebody's got to have done something really bad for this to happen. And you know, Jesus demonstrated the glory. Amen? How was man created? Mud, right? And he made a mud. Made mud and put on his eyes. And told him, go to the poor called saints. And that's how the man got his healing. But Jesus never prayed or cried to his father. So Jesus came to give us restoration. And I like what the scripture says. In case you don't quite feel that, because and possibly I'm talk, looking at uh, some message about sin consciousness. I guess I'm writing something on that. Sin consciousness, not a message. But sin consciousness. When you sin, at that instance, you are very conscious of sin. Right? You know you've done something wrong. Believe me, that's the most dangerous place to be. Because Hebrews chapter 10 says, The worshiper, once purged, shall have no more consciousness of sin. Because once there is a consciousness of sin, guess what? You're most likely to go back to that sin again. And again. And then it spreads. Because you're conscious of it. It's right there. As a man thinks in his heart, the remedy, go get cleansed. Confess your sin to the Father, right? Just a confession. For the Father is faithful and just to, to forgive you your sins and then to do what? 
cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And once you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, you lose the consciousness of sin. That's what keeps you. That's what keeps you going for God. That's why confession is good. Because it reads your mind from, the, from sin consciousness. And sin consciousness is really terrible. I've had people want to preach on sin all the time. That's good. But if you make it a thing that you think about all the time, you have programmed yourself to lean towards that. And you have no power to fight. Because sin shall not have dominion over us. That's what the Bible says, Romans chapter 6 verse 14, sin shall not have dominion over us. And when sin has taken over, immediately cleanse your mind from that sin consciousness so you don't fall back again. And maybe something deeper. That's why God said to, to confess. Having said that, even when sin is there in your life, you fail, but you, because of what Jesus did in the mind of God, you are complete in Him. Complete in Him. That's what Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, tells us, 9 and 10 tells us. For in Him dwells, that's in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And in Timothy, Jesus, the Bible tells us that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. God became a man. So Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in that person, Jesus. And the Bible says, and you are complete in Him. You are not complete in yourself. You are not complete in your works. You are not complete in your prayer life. You are not complete in your Bible reading. The only way you are complete is you are complete in Him. And if you are complete in Him, things happen. Jesus said, abide in me and let my words abide in you. If you abide in me, you bear much fruit. So it's abiding in Him and knowing, or freeing yourself from that sin consciousness and knowing that God has given you the glory of God's Son and that you carry His glory regardless of where you go, when you are at work, they, you don't feel anything, but they know there's something different about you. How I many of you have people come to and they say, What's, there's something different about you? That's happened to me. They know there's something different about you. I didn't know that Christians always carry this joy thing, you know. It, it's very new, whether you know it or not. When I was in college, this guy, his name Papa, he said, uh, uh, Good luck, was something happening to you today? I said, what do you mean? He said, because you always look like you're happy, happy all the time. But today you, you, were have, you seem to be having you a little down. Now I was having a bad toothache. <laughs> and it, it took me a while because I never knew he was watching or anybody saw anything. I couldn't tell if I was happy all the time. I wasn't drinking anything. But he didn't notice I was happy all the time. And that kind of stunned me a while. I said, what does he mean by this? You're happy all the time. Something happened. Did I do something wrong? Then I said, oh, I got, I got toothache. He said, okay, that explains it. And then he went on talking. I see you all the time. You seem to be so happy all the time. No problems, okay? <laughs> You're happy. Why? We are complete in him. Doesn't matter how you feel. Like I always say, God doesn't need your opinion. And how, how you feel. He says you are what? Complete in Him. All you have to do is receive the Word. The Word that you have given me, I have given to them. So when you receive the Word, you are complete. You refuse to receive the Word, you are not complete. It's as simple as that, right? You believe the Word, then you are complete in Him. You doubt the Word and you are filled with sin consciousness and you are not complete in Him. It's all by faith. It's all by faith. But we are completing Him. He's the power. He is the head of all principality and power. 
So I am in good hands. Amen? That's not all states, okay? I am in good hands, okay? I am in good hands. He is the head. He has the fullness of the Godhead. And I am in Him. Amen? And He sees me complete. No matter what you think about me, I'm doing good. I sometimes I, who is it? Maybe it's Pastor Howard who says, no matter what uh, this person said about you, I don't remember who was doing that to me. And I'm thinking, what bad things are they saying about me? Well, keep saying your bad stuff. I'm completing Him. Right, Pastor Howard? <laughs> Amen. I'm completing Him. You see, Jesus has done a lot for us that we really need to focus on, think about, and internalize. Just like the disciples did. Because Jesus testified to that. That they received the word. They know that I'm not just a man. They know I'm the son of God. They know. And you can tell, after they received the Holy Spirit... They just were just like Jesus. Read. In Acts of the Apostles. They were just like Him. And that's where we want to be. Paul, I want to know Him. I want to know the fellowship of His suffering. I just want to be like Him. God will give us the desires of our heart. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. I want that. I want something to challenge me. To go closer to God. Draw near to God. And God will draw near to you. I don't want to stay away from it. I want to be close to God. I want to know Him. There are things that Jesus has done for us. And we must keep those things before us all the time. Like a mirror. Looking your face out you know, in the mirror constantly. And God did this. And the Bible reveals that to us in the Old Testament. But it, we now have something even better than what they had in the Old Testament. God made it very clear for the believer what Jesus has done for us. And we can draw from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 28 from verse 13. He says, and the Lord will make you the head. That's dignifying you, right? Restoring your dignity in life. When you are at the top, you're different. And our attitude should reflect that. There's a story that I used to tell. I don't know where I got it from. But when I traveled as an evangelist, trying to encourage people, what, what, how our attitude should change based on what we know. But the thing is, without what's spoken to us, and, and our attitude don't change, but if you know the word, it's going to transform your attitude. If you understand what Jesus has delivered to us, through the word, by and by, your mindset changes, and that changes your attitude and your character changes as well. It's all in the word. It's all in the word. He tells the stories about a guy, let's say somebody who is a street, he lives in the street, right? And, 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 but his father was very wealthy and died wealthy, but he had, he had the idea that his father left him nothing. And so he thought, well, uh, father is dead, now all the goods gone, and they, I don't have anything, and start living in the street. Now, a lawyer, well-dressed, shows up with his Mercedes-Benz or whatever, Bentley, looking for the guy. Somebody has told him, the guy you're looking for, are you sure is that Paul? Yeah, he has kind of a funny-looking beard. Yeah, he's right there. He lives under the bridge over there. And he's with his friends, all strict people, right? And the guy comes in and, and sees, he's, they all see the Bentley just driving and stop. And, 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 and the guy comes out with his suit, tie, and all the strict people say, what, what have we done wrong now? This guy's coming for us. And he says, I'm looking for Paul. And Paul says, I'm in real trouble. Right? What's, what's the matter now? He said, are you Paul? He's going to, he's thinking, should I deny I'm not Paul or should I really tell him I'm Paul? Right? Because this is, this is not looking good. Right? And he says, Paul, 
You're Paul? And he says, I'm a lawyer. Your father's lawyer. Huh? Huh? Yeah, I've been looking for you for the past five months to maybe a year. You've been looking for me. What, what, what? Am I in trouble? No, no. Your father left you a million dollars in the bank. Right? Guess what? Paul is saying, please don't lie to me. Right? Don't lie to me. I've been looking for you. Here are the documents, okay? And this is the amount from the bank. I think right after that, Paul is going to straighten up and goes to his friend, hey, I'm going to rent you a place when I get home, when I get back, right? His attitude has changed, right? Now he walks with his filthy clothes, but now he's acting differently, walking like a big shot. I'm the millionaire. I got the money. What's the difference? It's the same Paul, right? All that happened was what he heard. Right? Just what he heard. If he didn't believe the lawyer, he'll say, say to the guy, please, keep my place. I'm coming back. Right? After I'm through with this guy. Maybe he's trying to put me in jail. Right? But if he really believes the lawyer, his attitude will change. But my point is, why do we hear the word of God and not our attitude don't change? How come we don't carry ourselves differently after we've heard the word? We know Jesus can heal anyone, right? And we know that by his stripes, I am healed, right? We were healed. But for some reason, we still have trouble changing our attitude based on what God is fully delivered to us. May God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. We really need help. God really needs to help us. Because he came to bring us dignity. Um, sometimes I focus on, on, on um, healing, but also sickness, money. Money can make, if you don't have it, can make you lose your sense of dignity, right? It's, it's rough when you can't pay your bill. But we have to trust God. Because first, uh, Second Corinthians chapter nine, chapter 8 verse 9 tells us that he became poor for our sakes. That for us, through his poverty, we might become rich. You can define that the way you want to, but I'm just reading scripture to you. But we hear that and we say, well, that's nice. Is God really going to do this? We don't know. We really don't know. But I have to trust God. Is fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. I don't have to go by what I see with my eyes. You stay with the word. Because that's what the father gave to his son. To change our situation. Now, there used to be a scripture that I I I, I study, and um, in um, Deuteronomy chap- chapter eight, I'm going to say this tonight, and I want you to really think about it because it's important. Deuteronomy chapter eight. God says, from verse 7, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. We've already been brought into a good land by our salvation. Amen? (laughs) A land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land which you will what? Eat bread without what? Scarcity. In which you will what? Lack nothing. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Now this scripture is true regardless of where you live. Because we are depending on God. 
and God is the one that is going to produce. It's a place where God brings you where there is no scarcity. You know another scripture that speaks about this? Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No scarcity. Where you lack nothing. Verse 10. When you are full, and then you shall bless the Lord, your God, for the good land which he has given you. Verse 12. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have what? Built beautiful houses and what? Dwell in them. You see, God is assuming that you're going to build your own house. Can you see that in the scripture? Did it say you have to be a doctor to build your house? Is anything defined here? You just have to be a child of God. It's all by faith. It's all by faith. It's trusting God. It's trusting God. How many have seen that book called The Prayer of Jabez? Do you remember that? It used to be real popular. The Prayer of Jabez. The guy was hurting financially. Everything was rough. And the, the, that book sold all over you as they had all kinds of versions of uh, the, the, the prayer of Jabez years ago. Uh, you, uh, you couldn't go to a book, Christian bookstore without saying, even Walmart had it all over the place. I mean, everybody was buying the prayer of Jabez. Simple prayer. The guy was hurting financially, everything was rough. And he says, God bless me indeed. And believe God. And guess what? God bless him. God bless him. I want to stay with that. God wants to restore everything that's good to us. And all that he's asking is for us to believe. Now, we all go through difficulties. I don't know what you're going through right now in your own life. Maybe in your mind, it's really huge. And I don't know if God will help me. Now, if you're thinking is, I don't know if God will help me, you haven't heard him. Because he will. God wants to help you. If there's anybody standing in his way, that's you. Because he really wants to help you. The question is, are you going to be willing to let God help you? Are you, uh, are you going to be willing to wait for God patiently, okay, till He fulfills what He has spoken to you. Because His word will not return to Him void. And you can tell yourself, God, I will not die until this thing that I've seen that you've spoken to me is fulfilled in my life. And speak it with your mouth. Speak it so that you hear it. Speak words contrary to what you feel or what you see in the natural. And that's what will work. It's the words that God has given to you. Amen? Because God gave his words to dignify your life. Amen? Tonight is the night. And I, I like to turn to one last scripture. That's finally, and then another finally. And another finally. <laughs> It's a preacher's syndrome. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter six. Verse two. I start from verse one. We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in what? In vain. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, you have received the grace, it's with you, don't let that be in vain. Grace is God's ability working for you to make your life beautiful. 
It says, for God says, the reason why I'm telling you not to receive the grace of God in vain is because God says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. So there is an acceptable time that God will hear you, so where you don't have to take the grace of God or receive the grace of God in vain. And in the day of salvation, in the day of restoration, the day that God will beautify your life, bring dignity back to your life, that day, the day of salvation, I have helped you. Notice the word spoken, not going to, I have helped you. And then it says, behold, that word means, look. Now, please say the word with me. Now is the accepted time. Can I hear an amen? Yes, no matter what you're going through, we just arrived at the accepted time. Now is the accepted time. The world behold again, look, God says, look, now is the day. This is the day. There is no other day. Would you stand up with me today and declare before God that now is the accepted time for whatever you're going through, God's going to deliver you from it. No matter what it is, God is on your side and God will deal with that issue right now, this very hour. No matter what it is, we have heard the word of God. God has put his glory upon your life. Whatever it is, the Bible says now is the accepted time. Please accept what God is about to give to you right now. You need to. I have to receive what the Father gave to Jesus to give to me. I've received the word. It's now, not another time. This is the time. What is it in your life that you want God to do? God says, it's now. It's now. We are right at the time. This is it. This is it. And if you will believe God by faith, God will come through with his word. He watches over his word to perform it. This is the time. This is the accepted time. This is the day to lose all sin consciousness because God is with us. Tell God tonight, tonight is my night. I'm receiving from God. Everything that I've heard contrary to your word is a lie from the devil. And the devil is a liar and the father of lies. I will no longer listen to his voice. I will listen to what God has said. I will listen to what Jesus has delivered to me. No more listening to the enemy. My portion is great. I need to build houses. I need, if I need a car, God will give me a car. If I need to live a life that's right before God, God will give me the ability to, because He has made me righteous. Whatever I need, if I need healing, I receive that healing tonight. Today is the time. Now is the accepted time. If I need God to touch my work, I need promotion, whatever it is, God is going to do that for me tonight. Tonight, this is the day. This is the accepted time. It's all by faith. I want Jesus to testify of me. He has believed. He received the word. He believed the word. And surely he knows the words came from Jesus. Father, we want to thank you tonight. Your word never returns to you void. There is a reason why we are gathered before you tonight. It was the appointed time. And God, it's a time of deliverance. It's a time of salvation. It's a time that you have chosen to bring dignity into our lives. That everything that could cause shame will be destroyed from our lives right now. Everything that could cause shame and disgrace, no more for our lives. Father, we thank you. We believe your word as you blessed us. Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish every area of our lives, O oh God. Father, we thank you. We give you praise tonight. Thank you because your word is being fulfilled in the lives of your children right now. You have opened the gates of heaven. You have opened the windows of heaven. 
to pour out a blessing upon your children. That is our portion. So that there will not be room to contain it. Thank you, our God. You are our God. And Jesus is your Son, our Savior, our Redeemer, the truth, the way, the life. We have received Him. And we thank you tonight. We bless your name, O God. Can you just say something to God? It's always good. The Bible tells us, please, we need some time here. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But in prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Would you thank God tonight that He has heard you? That's establishing it. That's sealing it. No matter how you feel inside, that has nothing to do with what God has said. And that cannot stop God. It's what you know and what you confess. Father, just thank the Father tonight. God, I thank you that you have heard our prayers and you have delivered the goods to us tonight. We thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for pouring down upon us. We give you praise, Father. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Would you turn to two or three people, tell them, I received what God had for me tonight.